Welcome to the Africa Football Showdown. This is the latest episode of your favorite show. We're calling this one the AFCON Halftime Show. You know why? Because it's that time where we can just reflect on what's happened so far and look ahead to what's coming up in this extraordinary tournament so far. We'll be looking at all the big teams that have left the competition. And what about the minnows, the smaller teams that remain in the competition? Just how did they get to these knockout stages? We'll also be looking at our top five-a-side team from the tournament so far. And hey, which is the best dancing team at AFCON 2023? It's going to be a blast right here on the Africa Football Showdown. Can we talk to you? Listen, let's go. As usual, I'm here with uh, my man, Daniel. (laughs) Okay, I mean, that face says it all. I know that we're (laughs) going to talk about your Ghana. What a tournament it's been so far. What a tournament it's been, Peter. I've enjoyed every minute of it, apart from Ghana losing. As a football fan, this has given all the surprises, lots of goals, a lot of new names to talk about. Honestly, it's been satisfying. It has been. It has been. Daniel is in the house. Unfortunately, our third wheel, Mimi, she's not here. But guess what? She's on her way to Abidjan. I mean, lucky girl, eh? Honestly, I hear the parties are lit, bro. Like, because <laughs> now that they've qualified, yeah. actually qualified for the round of sixteen, you know, Abidjan yeah. is quite hot right now. Let me just start off by asking, what's been your highlight so far in this competition? My highlight overall has been the fact that this has been a high-scoring AFCON. Mm, We've loved that, haven't we? Exactly. When you go into an AFCON, you expect to see very edgy games, one-goal scoreline, and then people just progress gradually to the final. But this time we've seen, look, everyone has been all out looking for those goals. It's been a striker's AFCON. I I don't want to take all the glory because I haven't... Uh, been calculating the goals. You know, our producer Pierce has, but he tells me. So if this is wrong, don't blame me. Blame Pierce. <laughs> that it's two point two goals per game. I mean, that's something. That's really, really something. We only saw two nil-nil games um, in the last third round matches. So you know, it's been it's been a wonderful tournament goal-wise so far. Refereeing has been okay. VAR has worked pretty well. I've agreed with. Most of the decisions so far. Some excellent players. We'll talk about them when we pick our top five players. But I don't think I need to ask you this question. But what's your biggest disappointment of the tournament so far? You don't need to ask me, man. Um, my biggest disappointment has been the Black Stars. Um, had all to play for... Look, the thing about the Black Stars, it's encapsulated in, in Aki Williams. So he left camp, went to Atletico Bilbao, and his first game back, he scored a goal against Barcelona. That tells you exactly what is wrong with the Stars. Like, you have a striker of that quality who can net against Barcelona, but he can't score against Cape Verde. He can't score mm-hmm. against an Egypt that was struggling. I, I see your point. And, and I saw that um, Ghanaian journalists, they gave the manager, Chris Hutton a torrid time after that game. I mean... I, I I thought, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to judge any football fans' emotions, but I just thought that was a bit too much. Here's the thing. I, I don't agree with what the what the journalists did. I think that, and I tweeted this, I said that the teams give journalists access to players and not every fan because they know that journalists have to be professional. 
And I know that everyone is a fan first, but you have to be think like, okay, I have a job to do. I have to. I'm here to ask questions that are on the mind of the supporters. And yes, the supporters might want to shout at them, but you have to filter it through so that you can get your information out. At a point, it almost became an exchange of words between a player and a journalist when the players were going through the mixed zone mm-hmm. after that last game against Mozambique. But I understand the emotions that they felt because I felt the same emotions. Uh, can I, uh, you, you say you understand the emotions, but I know I've asked you this question on this podcast before. You know, are Ghana truly a big African team? They have not won this competition since 1982. But before the last AFCON, we were almost always getting to the semi-final of the competition. We are still a big football nation in Africa. You, there's no doubt about that. Keep we, telling yourself. The last, no, no, no. No, Pisa, Pisa. The last time that an African team got to the quarterfinals of the World Cup, before Morocco, it was Ghana. So, yes, we've not... I, I would describe Ghana as like Spain before winning the World Cup. Perennial underachievers, but you know they're going to do well. This is still the Ghana that qualified to the World Cup ahead of Nigeria, which is still described as a big football nation. So, yes, there is something to play for. We are not getting it right, but you can't count us out. Okay, listen, we're not going to spend all our time talking about um, a team that didn't make it to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I talk Nigeria, no, your man ball. Oh, Charlie. <laughs> okay, listen, let's talk about another team. Actually, yeah. let's talk about another team that didn't make it to the run of 16. Another so-called big African side. I mean, Algeria. Exactly. With all the players. I'm, I heard a football analyst saying that players like Riyad Mahrez are past their prime. Riyad Mahrez won the treble last season with Manchester City. So what happened there to the Desert Foxes? What is past prime? <laughs> I, I don't even understand when you say Emilio Suo is, is 34 years old. Absolutely. The um, Vozinia of, of Cape Verde is, I think, 37, in my memory, serves me well. What is past prime when it comes to... When Roger Miller went to the World Cup, he was in his 40s. So what is past prime when it comes to football? Today, if you had a Lionel Messi, would you say he's past his prime? It's, I, I would simply say that for Algeria... I'll admit it. I've not looked as closely at them mm. as I, I should have. First of all, they ha- they don't always perform as well in the AFCON. Let's face the truth. They are not a team that you would expect to exit in a group stage, mm. but they're also not a team that you really place your hat on to win the competition. That's number one. Number two, if, you, if a team has got players and is not performing well, you have to go into the back room. You have, to, you have to ask yourself, what's the management doing? What's football administration doing? What's the coach doing? That's where we always have to begin the conversation because I refuse to believe that this team does not have talent. I think one thing I'd say is that in this competition so far, the North African teams have not done as well as we expected some of them to do, including Morocco and Egypt. You know, Morocco won fine their first game, you know, scoring three goals, I think, and then um, kind of like petered up. But... You could also attribute that to the fact that they are playing in a very humid zone. You know, they come from this arid desert zone in the north, come to West Africa where the humidity was almost at 100% on some days, especially when you're playing an afternoon game. You know, that's why you have uh, their water breaks and all that, you know. And, of course, water breaks also break the flow of the game for some of these players if they're not used to it. So you could say, you know, maybe that's one of the... um, the, the problems that uh, North African teams have had. Especially oh. when you have their key players not even playing in Africa in the first place. Their key players play in Europe, where the weather is very different, you know. So we, we've heard about the teams that did not 
qualify, the so-called big teams that did not qualify. But what about the mighty minnows? You know, the, the ones who were not supposed to get through, but have gotten through. I mean, I'm thinking of Namibia. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Cape Verde. I mean, last Nations Cup. And uh, Equatorial Guinea as well. I counted Cape Verde out because of the group they're in. But even if you expected them to go through, not number one in their group, you know, with seven points, when they have played Ghana and they have played Egypt, even if they were going to go through, not to do that well. Remember, Cape Verde and Equatorial Guinea both qualified top of their group. Cape Verde and Equatorial Guinea both scored quite a number of goals. Mm. So you 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 if you look at it overall, I think these two teams have really shown a certain quality. Cape Verde having some of the oldest players in the tournament. Equatorial Guinea, I don't know what Ensue went to drink before this tournament. <laughs> he's been, I mean, he's I been mean, absolutely fascinating. He's been on fire. Mm. Five goals. And no, I, I don't know if you if you if you watched the um the forty yard free kick by Bebe for mm. Cape Verde mm. the other day. I mean. From 40 yards, nobody touched it. It just went straight in. What Bro, a bullet of a shot. You my know? only question to Bebe is, where was all this fire? When he was playing at Man United. When he was playing at Man United, bro. Like, <laughs> like if you if we know, if you knew we had a game like this, yeah, we would have yeah. given you time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But why do you think these teams, Equatorial Guinea, um, Cape Verde, even the Gambia, which who didn't qualify, why do you think you know, they stepped up their game. How, how do they do it? I think to begin with, it's very easy to take such teams for granted. Look at the teams that they started up against. Cape Verde started against Ghana. Equatorial Guinea started against Nigeria. These two teams were tournament's favorites in a lot of people's books. These two teams on paper were teams that, look, you're going to have firepower up front. You're going to have, you know, not a not bad midfield and decent defenders. So you expect that you're going to hear a lot of names, a lot of people shouting us in here when they are playing against Equatorial Guinea. In both of these games, that's their two opening games, they managed to hold the line. And they managed to, to have, to see enough of the ball to get the other team nervous. Because the thing about AFCON, and this runs through a number of teams, even with the very well-performing teams, is that as soon as you cross half-time, and you begin entering the game. If you don't have goals, you begin to see the nerves show. Especially if you're one of the bigger sides. Especially if you're one of the bigger sides. Especially if you're one of the bigger sides. That happened with Nigeria. That happened Mm. with Ghana. Mm. Even to the extent that they had conceded goals. You get me? If it wasn't for that quick response by Ozimhen after that Equatorial Guinea goal, we could have been talking about a very different tournament Mm. for Nigeria. Because it's like mentality plays a big role in these games. And I think that it com- it really comes down to the mindsets that these guys enter the games with. Because there's really nothing more that you can talk about. You can't tell me that they had more quality on paper and off paper, mm-hmm. and in some cases on the day, against Egypt, against Ivory Coast, against Nigeria. You get me? Because remember, there was that period between Equatorial in the Equatorial Guinea Ivory Coast game that they were holding on for bare life. Ivory Coast was banging yes. in the shots. Yes. They just held, it was just grit at a point. Sometimes we forget that football is a 90 minute game. Mm. You you have to hold on for those 90. Indeed. So we've spoken about the um, the big teams who have left, the small teams who have made it through. There's been another set of casualties at this Africa Cup of Nations 2023, and it's several managers. So I think we've counted five 
who are no longer in their jobs. Yes. Uh, yes. Wedragi of uh, Morocco is suspended for the next game. He had, had a two-match suspension. Yeah. He's, he's already served one match, so he's suspended for their game against uh, South Africa. But some coaches have lost their jobs. Chris exactly. Hutton. Mm-hmm. Does that make you... Are you happy about that? Very happy. Very, very happy. I'm not even Chris quite Hewton's sure why I asked that question. It's like a no-brainer. I feel bad. Chris Hutton, one of Chris Hutton's last interviews before he went for the AFCON was with me. Mm. And I spoke to him here in London. And at the time, there was some controversy that he might lose his job ahead of the AFCON. But, you know, we put hope against hope. We felt like, you know, things could go well. The thing about Ghana is that the past... This current football administration, since they took over, has hired from Siki Akono through to Chris Hutton. None, no, no coach, I think it's about four of them, have gotten beyond a 40% win rate. And Chris Hutton played the most games and he had the, had the lowest percentage in terms of number of wins. It's not been a good story for Ghana, but it's not for lack of quality. And you, you have to admit, you know, the same with Algeria, who, whose coach is also going. Like, it's not about a lack of quality. Ivory Coast have also dropped their coach, even though they've made it to the round of 16. What do you make of that? I mean, this must be a Totally first. justified. Like, totally justified. Ivory Coast with home support should not have been struggling to go into the round of 16. And now look at the position they put themselves in. They're facing Senegal. Mm. I don't think that it's exactly the smartest decision thinking about the fact that they have the the tournaments to finish. But at a point when you have fans burning buses and you have, you know, the, the real possibility that this is the end of the road for them you have to show some people that they have to go. But what's, you know, the irony behind those fans burning those buses two days ago is that, you know, two days on, they were celebrating on the streets of Abidjan like, oh no, we made it. So fans need to be patient. Let me explain this. Let me explain this. You see, your national football team is like that ex that you're trying to forget. But... You can't, no matter what you do, he or she just knows how to pull at your heartstrings. That's how the Black Stars are for me. And I'm pretty sure that's, that's how the Ivory, the Ivory National Team is. You hate to love them. You see, in the end, that's the only country you have. You're happy that you've qualified. It doesn't mean you're happy with the team or you're happy with the players, mm. but you're happy to fly the flag. That's, that's really <laughs> the only way that I can put it. I think that it's good that they are taking some decisive action. I don't know what it means for the rest of the tournament, but at least if they lose against Senegal, they can always say it was a new coach. Uh, and, I mean, th- their fans were not the only ones that went on a rampage. I, I know that Ghanaian fans, you know, like I said, they tormented Chris Hutton in, in the mix zone, uh, and some of them tried to get into the team hotel, as did Algerian fans there as well, you know. So um, it's been a peaceful AFCON so far, but... Uh, we've had these incidents and these I mean, pockets I mean, of Pete, I, I, was, I was talking to Pierce um, about this yesterday. Pierce is our producer, shouts to him. How different is this from England <laughs> when we crashed out of the out, out, out of the Euros? Pardon me. When you talk about England, you say when we. Did I say we? <laughs> <laughs> I have that on tape. I have that on tape. No, let's cut it out. <laughs> let's cut it out. Yeah, when England um, crashed out of the of the no, say when the, we, when we go ahead. Don't do that. <laughs> of the Euros, like yeah, it's been. Remember the actually uh, Bukayo Saka, yes, you absolutely. know, had issues mm. with racism. Mm. When when that happened, yeah, it's, the, the it's, three black players who missed the penalties in the finals. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's difficult mm. for any 
football loving country to deal with a loss especially when you look at the potential that they have so i would not say it's it's usual but again i'll say you sort of understand where they stand except that you'll appeal to fans to take it too far yeah please don't take it too far you're listening to the africa football showdown my name is peter okwache i'm here of course with daniel that's don't forget that you can download our podcast just go online to wherever it is you get your podcast from and type in the africa football showdown and download it and you can also watch us on youtube just type in the africa football showdown now top five players of the competition so far you know five aside so defender midfielders and attackers top five you go daniel Alrighty, I'll start from the back. Hamari Traore mm-hmm. of Mali. He's been excellent for the team. He's also scored a goal and gotten an assist in there. So really back to forth. I feel like if Ghana had done a bit better, Jiku would be in the running. But it didn't really come out after that first game. Midfielders. Um, I know this is a controversial one, but Mani is an attacking midfielder. So mm-hmm. I'm going to put him in there. So is Mohamed Kudus. If a player can make a difference in a team, it's Mohamed Kudus for Ghana. First game, he wasn't in. Ghana had one goal, lost the game. Second, third games, Ghana scored four goals. He was he scored two. He was involved in one of them against Mozambique. Kudus did excellently. Strikers, you can't say anything without mentioning Emilio Nsue. Five goals. He leads the goal tally. He's been a great captain for Equatorial Guinea. And um, I know he's not scored so many goals, but I'm going to put down Victor Osimhen because he's also really gotten into the mix um, quite well mm. so yeah that that will be my top five mine is slightly different from yours not exactly the same but i'll go for traore in defense um you've named all uh you've you said everything about him there in um midfield uh i would have um sadio mane in midfield but i'd also have nigeria's ademola lukman because at one point I thought his career was gone, but he has just been extraordinary. Yeah. The runs on the wings, you know, yeah. the dribbling. He's almost played like a number 10 as well as a winger, you know, yeah. so I'd definitely give him that. Um, Lamin Kamara from from um, Senegal, you know, um, scored two goals in their first game. Lovely, lovely, lovely player. 20 years old, he can only grow and grow. And I do agree with you. I can't leave out Victor Cement simply because, hey, He's Victor Simon, African Football <laughs> of the Year. No, but, but but he's not totally disappointed. Yes, he's not scored as much. No, he hasn't. But he's played well. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So those would be my um, five teams. I think for once we kind of like agree. Mohamed Kudus, I think that's a really good choice as well. But you know, I could only pick five. So we've looked back at the tournament. Mm-hmm. Let's look ahead to see what's coming because okay. we've got some exciting games coming if you just remind us of the fixtures coming up starting on saturday angola faces namibia and nigeria cameroon i want to hear what you think in there. about that one equatorial guinea faces guinea there's only the equator between them it should be a very, very... <laughs> i see what you did there <laughs> it should be a very interesting one egypt faces mm-hmm. drc it's a game that you would have counted for Egypt, but they've not really come to the party in this tournament. Cape Verde faces Mauritania. I'm going to tell you who my money is on for this one. Senegal, Ivory Coast, Mali, Burkina Faso. Very even game there. And Morocco, South Africa. Another one which could pull surprises. Absolutely. I mean, after South Africa scored four past in the... Temba Zwani. Yes, yes, yes. Guy. You cannot 
write them off. You can't write them off at Kay. this stage. And after their first game, we'd written them off. Don't forget. Yeah. But in yeah. their last game, I mean, they, they've I come mean, back in full force. To be fair, even ahead of their first game, I wasn't really counting South mm. Africa in mm. this tournament. Mm. But they've, they've surprised me nicely. They've done Nigeria, well. Cameroon, brothers, neighbors. Oh, it's that's going to be a great clash. I mean... Hopefully, I'm going to be in Nigeria watching okay. that game. I'm going to call that for Nigeria. I'm looking at something here. Mm. In the last five games, Nigeria won twice. They've been two draws, and Cameroon won once. And I don't mm. think that Victor Ozimhen was the person that he is now. He's not scored as much, but he's been very influential for his team. You know, I, I like the Guinea derby. It's great that this has happened, you know. I, I would call it for Equatorial Guinea, given that, you know, you've got Emilio Nsue in there, you know, so they might uh, neck that one. Egypt DRC, mm. it shouldn't be that difficult for Egypt, should it? I mean, the DRC haven't been... They've made it this far, which is great, but they haven't been as solid as I expected, personally. But Egypt has not won a game this entire tournament. They, they qualified with three draws. It's, and and they, they barely managed that final draw against Cape Verde. Mm. So, and they don't have Mohamed Salah. Mm. So what I'm looking for is... Can DRC score a lot of goals? Because Egypt can score. In all three games, they scored two goals. They have mm. six goals in this tournament. So Egypt can score. Mustafa Mohamed and Trezeguet, they can do the work. However, they can't defend. They are conceding too many goals. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not really an Egypt team that I'll stick my neck out for. On paper, again, they should be beating DRC, even with this tournament's performance. But... A good coach can beat Egypt. Okay, uh, we, we've got to hurry along now. Cape Verde, Mor- I mean, we haven't even mentioned Mauritania making it to the round of 16. I mean, how great a story yeah. is that? Yeah, yeah. Shout you know, I, to- I kind of like thought maybe it's the, the shine of their southern neighbours, Senegal, rubbing off on <laughs> Mauritania now, you know, and, and they're like, yes, we're going to be like our neighbours. But it's just such a great story. Exactly. But against Cape Verde in the round of 16, do, do you think they could pull off another surprise? I'll put my money on Cape Verde for this one. Mm. Seven points, two wins against all odds. Yeah. yeah. I'll put my money on Cape Verde. Okay. And uh, then what about Senegal Ivory Coast? Oh, that is another huge clash. The champions versus the hosts. Yeah. Who just managed to scrape through. <laughs> Senegal has not... The thing is, Senegal has not dropped form. No, they haven't. <laughs> no. Since they last won it in Cameroon. No. Like, Senegal is on fire. They're they just they just the goals. You know, and it's not all about... You know, we always talk about how balanced the team is. It's not all about Sadio Mane nope. anymore. Nope. You know, I think he's got one goal in this competition and so far. And one assist. And one assist. But, oh, pardon me, it's two, two assists, right? Oh, two assists. Yeah. But then, you know, I, I like the way he's instructing the younger players who just come in. You know, the Lamine Kamara's are like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? It's just great. You can see it's a it's a balanced team. It's a coach who's who knows exactly what he's doing with this team. And I think Ivory Coast are in trouble. I think another unsung hero really is Aliou Cissé. Aliou Cissé was the captain. That's the coach of yes, Senegal. Yes. He was the captain of that Teranga Lions mm. that beat France and France, got to the quarterfinals right. in 2002. Yes, he, 2002 with the mm-hmm. he has a lot of clout in Senegal. He has mm. a lot of respect in Senegal. It's his mates who are the, who are the, who are the um, ambassadors for this tournament. Mm. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So um, and, and he's really brought that clout to that team. He has a good set of players and he's he really does. used them he properly. Does. You know, a lot of respect for him amongst his, his players, which is very important as well. And then another one, Mali versus Burkina Faso. Another neighborhood clash. They're neighbors, yeah. you know, in the Sahel and I mean, they're also ideological friends. They're presidents. Well, absolutely. <laughs> they're right about that. But, yeah. you know, 
Mali always seemed to make it into the knockout stages. Burkina Faso, they played in the 2013 final against Nigeria where they lost, I think it was 2-1 or something. Mm. You know, so two really solid teams. I think they're very equally balanced. Yeah. This, would be, this is the kind of game that might go into a penalty shootout or something. I can't really pick one out. Okay, yeah. and then Morocco, South Africa. I think Morocco has what it takes. I think they might just edge it. You know, yeah. the Atlas Lions might just edge it, yeah. uh, unfortunately for Bafana Bafana. But, yeah. you know, shout out to Bafana Bafana for getting this far after the catastrophe that was their first game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. One of the most important things in this competition has been the dancing. <laughs> Have you seen the goal celebrations? <laughs> the teams dancing, whether in their dressing room, on the way to training, and we even saw Equatorial Guinea on the pitch when they scored their goals. You know, that lining up and dancing yeah. all together. It's been brilliant. But let's try and pick out which is our favorite dance by the teams. Let's check them out. Okay, uh, uh, this first one is Namibia. You can see them, you know, moving to the music, you know. Mm -hmm. I like the way they're singing. Um, I think I've seen you do that move before, Peter. Where did you see? You haven't seen me doing the move. <laughs> I'll you show you what, I'll show you what I've done. This is South Africa. I okay. love the singing. Yeah. You can see some, I'm a piano dancing in there. You know? You know, South Africa, they've got a groove. Honestly. Honestly. There's oh, no party yes. like a Joe Bird party. <laughs> Tell me about Takes it, Takes me man. to the townships. Tell me about yeah, it. Bro. Okay. So the next one is coming up now. Look at that. This is Cameroon. Cameroon, Makosa grooves. You know, <laughs> you know. Look at that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's working. It's, it's good to see Onana happy. I'm yes, yes, you know. I mean, it's been unfortunate. Yeah. This is um, yeah. Angola. Angola, yes. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know you guys had a game like that. Angola. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. Nice, nice, nice. Well choreographed, of course. It looks know, like an electric slide. <laughs> Equatorial Guinea, I think yeah. these are my favorite. Yeah. You know, both yeah. on and off the pitch, they have actually done the business when it comes to dancing. And I think that their dancing is most justified. If you ask it is, me. it is. If you ask me, bro, they've been like a blitzkrieg. It's fantastic. Well. You know, I mean, um, listen, Daniel, mm. uh, I'm just going to spare you. I'm not going to ask you to dance your way out of this episode but you know it's been great having you don't know bro i have some moves but you don't know man <laughs> we'll save those for later but anyway that's that's it on this episode of the african football showdown we'll see you on the next one goodbye i see you hey.